Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode 43 of the More Than Corporate podcast. This week, I have Amy Bull on the show, and we had such an incredible conversation about fear and overcoming anxiety and these stories that play in your head as far as what could happen in your life. It was actually a really, really cool conversation, and I'm super excited to share it with you. A little bit about Amy. She's an integrative health and wellness coach trained by Duke Integrative Medicine, who helps people create a balanced and healthy lifestyle filled with purpose, passion, and joy. She has 23 years of experience managing a busy lifestyle, working in the corporate world, and running a nonprofit organization. It can be a challenge to balance it all and not sacrifice health and happiness. She's made a mission to provide space and empower individuals so that they can uncover what they truly desire for their life and begin taking action towards their optimal vision. In addition to training at Duke Integrative Medicine, Amy's trained in Hatha Yoga and a teacher of iRest Yoga. She's trained by the Integrative Restoration Institute. This combination of expertise allows her to hold space for her clients in a mindful, attentive way. Integrative health coaching is centered on the idea of the individual becoming more mindful of all aspects of their life and how it impacts their well-being. Up Frequency believes deeply in the philosophy of integrative medicine and that health and wellness is about treating the whole person, not just the symptoms of the disease and the illness, and that health is much more complex than just diet and exercise. We really got into some deep topics on this episode, and I am super excited to share it with you. Before we do that, I wanted to invite you to head over to iTunes if you haven't done so already and leave a rating and review for the show. Getting your feedback really does help me figure out what direction to take the show, what type of guests you want to see on the show, what type of contents that you want to hear on the podcast. It does also help me out with Apple's algorithm so that we can get more people involved in the show. Really, I just want to hear what you guys have to say and interact with you guys. So you can head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review, or you can go ahead and message me on Facebook or join the Facebook community. I'd love to connect with you guys. Go ahead and shoot me a message whenever you are ready to do so. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into Amy's episode. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Amber. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited to have you. So Amy and I met through a mutual networking group and were able to connect. And when I talked to her, I just loved her story and wanted to bring her on to kind of share some of that with you. So thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Um, what I'd like to do is just go ahead and have you start by talking about like what it was like for you growing up. I think it's always really interesting to hear the transition from where you were growing up to where you are now. So what was your life like when you were growing up? Yeah, so when I, I grew up, first of all, I grew up in Oklahoma, right in smack dab in central Oklahoma. Um, you know, I grew up in what most people would consider a very traditional family from the outward appearances. And then, um, but it really wasn't, you know, um, we had, you know, it was mom, dad, two kids, 
and pets and lived in suburbia and you know it looked very normal but um it was not real normal on the inside um there was quite a bit of um what i would consider kind of probably latent trauma that occurred um particularly with my father's background and as both of my parents got a little older, um, especially my mother in particular, um, she became quite unhappy. And there, you know, they ended up divorced when I was in high school. And, you know, that, of course, was prior to that, you know, there were a number of years where it was quite a tense, a tense place to be living. I... I always remember, um, and this this has definitely had a big impact, I think, on me as an adult. I always remember feeling like I always had to be afraid for whatever tragedy was going to be right around the corner. So I always had this fear that something dreadful was going to occur because that was basically my father's. Uh, way of life. Um, was that post-divorce or pre-divorce? Just kind of always? Pre, always. I mean, from a, yeah, that was always what it was like in the household. And so there was not a lot of, we were always trained to think that we didn't have anything excess. And that was actually a, a source of tension between my parents because that wasn't actually true. I, I mean, we, we didn't live like, you know, in desperation, but there was a sense of the fear of the unknown all of the time. I'm interested to know because so much of the way that we show up as an adult is imprinted as how we were raised. So that fear of kind of the unknown and that sense of this looming dread, how mm -hmm. did that show up in your adult life and how did you deal with that? Oh yeah. It, it influenced greatly the first half of I think my adult life. So to give a little bit more context, once my parents divorced, and really even kind of during this whole period of where this transition was happening, really started probably in my early teens, so 15-ish, where things were starting to get tense. And I had a boyfriend at the time who was several years older than me. And of course, my father disapproved of the relationship. My mother did not. And that, you know, created tension as well. I eventually decided he was a loser and I, and I, you know, was like, get out of here. I broke up with him. There's a, there's a story to this. So my, he was, he was exceptionally close to my mother and he just kind of continued to stay around in the family, even though um, we had broken up and I really didn't want to have anything else to do with him. And at this point, my parents were separated and my father's living actually out of state. And they just continued to get closer and closer. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, you know, my friends would always ask me, like, what is going on? Like, what is that weird? Like, what's the deal with, with your mom and, and, you know, this guy? And, I'm, and I just, I was like, I don't know. I can't, I couldn't even think about it. Was there, was it like this blind denial or did you honestly think that was too far-fetched to actually be true? Um, I think it was more or less like I knew it was happening. I just, there was nothing I could do about it. And so I was literally just trying to survive. By the time my parents divorced, uh, my father knew about this relationship because it did, it, it was in fact a romantic relationship at that point. 
my father knew about it and of course it just got it was very very ugly as you can imagine yeah so that was out became out in the open and long story short they ended up getting married they ended up buying a house getting married at this wow. point <laughs> at this point in time i was still very dependent on her i had just graduated from high school and i was in I was trying to go to college, trying to make my way in the world. And one of the ways that my father, unfortunately, then the way he got back at her was through money. That was the only tool he had, really, to, to get back at her for all this pain that he was feeling. And so that ended up basically creating a lot of financial strife for my mother and my brother and I at that point. So was your was your... Father, and I don't want to go further. I mean, you all talk about whatever you want. I don't want to make yeah. you uncomfortable with questions. No, yeah, no. Was, was your father like intentionally trying to deprive you and your brother or was it just he was going to deprive your mom and if it happened to negatively impact you, then so be it? You know, I honestly don't know. I think, I don't know that he was super conscious of that aspect of it, but I don't know how he couldn't have been. I don't think he was capable at that point. I think he was in so much pain. To be fair, I don't think he was capable of really rationally thinking through, uh, you know, how, what the impact of that was, you know. Got it. I, I, so I was still live. I had to, I had to live with them. For how uh, long? How long did you live with them before you moved out on your own? Um, there was probably... And so this is so long ago, I, I feel like it was probably two to three years where I had to live with them while they so were married. Got, holy cow. So you've got your, your idea that something bad is always around the corner. You've got yeah. a divorce between your parents. You've got yeah. your boyfriend marrying your mom. Yeah. And <laughs> in the middle of all of that, so I, I, um, while I was still living with my mom and her significant other, who used to be my significant other, um, I had uh, my first boyfriend in college. So it was my freshman year, and I'm navigating all this stuff. Um, he ends up getting very, very ill, and um, he ended up having to have a bone marrow transplant, and he ended up passing away. You know, I, you know, here again, I'm like, okay, all right, I'm just, you know, just trying to make it through life. Really beginning to feel like at this point that what my dad taught me, which is life is hard and life is going to, it's going to pull the, the, your, your feet out from under you on, on any day. These things were coming to fruition, you know right. what? And, um, this relationship, this boyfriend, my college boyfriend that passed away, uh, he also had a, a highly dysfunctional family. And so I was really his primary caregiver. So once he went into the hospital to have his bone marrow transplant, I had to drop out of my classes or I didn't have to, I chose to, so that I could be at the hospital regularly and, you know, and be there for him. And the whole time he was in the hospital for, Three months, I think. Um, his mother visited him one time oh, in the wow. hospital. Yeah, just to give you an idea of 
what he and I were collectively kind of dealing with. So we, we were partners in this, you know, experience of just trying to navigate a very kind of cool world. That's, had, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so he ended up passing away, you know, I, and which, so I went through, a, you know, obviously went through a grieving period. I eventually came out of that and got myself back enrolled in college got myself moved out so I got my own apartment and I was feeling finally really you know good feeling like okay I, I got this I'm gonna make this work and I I'm actually really really happy love my classes things are going great and um one night I came home from a party and I was always a really conscientious person in all of my friends that that I hung out with you know I was always good about locking my doors always good about making sure that my windows were shut you know and locked all that stuff and so one night I came home and my front door was locked and I lived by myself front door was locked I you know came into my normal routine I had a cat and I noticed in my bedroom that a few things looked out of place. And I couldn't figure out, like, but I, you know, it rationally made it zero sense to me. I, and I had cleaned the day before, so I, I, I wrote it off as, you know, this is, just, um, this is just me not remembering that I moved these things. But I was a little nervous, so I... I uh, went into the living room, got a book, I'll just read for a little while. So I lay down on the couch and I let my cat out, let my cat back in and I'm laying there reading and my cat jumps up on top of a chair that's in the living room at the end of the sofa that I'm lying on right in front of the coat closet that I really never use as like a storage closet. And he jumps up in his chair and he stares at the closet like, oh, no. Yeah, like like he's he's little he's a black he's all black cat, and his back is arched, and he is in full fledged like Halloween cat mode. And I'm wow. like, I look at him, and I'm like, what is going on? He never does that. But again, I'm like, my brain is not, it's not catching on to like there's something not right. I don't think that. that's where any of our brains would naturally go. Right. I mean, I think that there's so many times that we we think something bad is going to happen, but to actually logically think that that might happen. be occurring, like, right. It's yeah. so, ins that's so crazy. So I sit up and I scoot down to the end of the couch. You know, something told me, scoot, you know, just go, you need to do something. So I scooted down to the end of the couch and I opened the closet door just a few inches just long and, and there was just enough time for me to register that's a pair of knees there is someone in the closet and the next thing i know this guy darts out of my closet he has black pantyhose over his head uh black leather gloves running shorts no shirt and a short knotted rope and so he pushes me back on the couch and he's standing and i'm flat so i 
you know, you, you have to imagine I have all four of my limbs to, mm -hmm. to fight with. And he's got one limb, basically, because he's not letting go of that short knotted rope. Right. Uh, so he would alternate between putting his one free hand over my mouth to keep me from screaming because I was screaming bloody murder. And then when and then my arms would be flying like I was trying to fight him off and then he would try to grab my arms again so we kind of went back and forth like that for you know a few seconds maybe I don't really know and then eventually he was just like all right shut shut up just shut up just shut up I'm leaving and he tore out the front door oh. and so you know of course he did call 911 you know all that stuff and that just that went down a course of of course like months and months of investigations and there were other incidents that occurred after mine and there's no you know the point of this is not necessarily to tell that particular story in isolation but it is what set me into uh, after everything else that I had experienced up to that point and after me getting to a point where I was feeling finally like I had created a, 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 life, a life for myself and then that to be, you know, to come along, um, it just, it paralyzed me. I'm for, sure it did. And I was, I was actually going to ask because there's only so much that a human being can take. Yeah. And, you know, we, we push through so many different things and we have resources out there to help us emotionally and mentally with these types of trauma. But for somebody who had so much going on as a kid and then the unfortunate passing of your, of your college boyfriend and then having this happen, like I can imagine that it was just a spiral yeah um yeah i mean i pretty much at that point it was just survival i mean fortunately somehow or another i was gifted with a, a, a lot of resilience <laughs> um what was your support system like at this point i know that you said your dad wasn't overly supportive um was your mom supportive or was she kind of living her own life she was they were both kind of living in their own their own lives so really my support system at that point was my friends um i did have i have several close friends and i did also have a boyfriend at that point too um i mean my mom was around it wasn't like they weren't involved in any way but our relationship was honestly so you know as you can imagine it was diff it was difficult oh, for and sure so and and i didn't i didn't really Looking back on it now, I, I, I mean, I didn't trust her to be, like, to protect me. She, and she honestly didn't have the tools at that point to protect me either. You know what I, I mean? mean? Was, there, was there anybody that you trusted to protect you? Because I can only imagine that you can only be broken so many times. It seems like, yeah. and I mean, you're so strong and, I'm, I, and you have this amazing story of where you're at now, which we'll get to in a little bit. But... At that point in time in your life, it has to feel like everybody around you is failing you. Yeah. And, and then growing up the way that you did, I'm, I'm curious to know how much belief you had in, in yourself to pull yourself out of that. Um, you would have had to have had a large amount not having your family to help you. Yeah. I, I, I truly at that point... I believed it was it was all me. 
it was all 100% on me to figure out how to survive and that I could not trust others and I couldn't trust the universe. So whether you, you know, believe that's God or whatever you call the universe, you know, that or they were not in it with me at that point, you know. So it was all, it was all me. But I did trust myself enough and I think that's how I pulled myself out of it was that it was like, I remember very distinctly, even, you know, before if I even got to this point when I was grieving my college boyfriend and I was trying to figure out how to kind of get myself back to some sort of normalcy. I very distinctly remember in a, a, a moment where I said, all right, you, you know, you're, you have to decide you're either going to go forward or not it's like it's one or the other and you 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 can choose not to or you can choose to to just get up and keep going and, and what were you going to school for at this time so at this point i don't think at that point i really had not gotten clarity on that so i was just i was just i was in you know early freshman level okay classes, so I, um, the reason I ask is because I know that you have, right now you're doing a lot of things with coaching and mindset, right. and I was interested to know whether that dated back to this time frame or whether you found that later. Yeah, I would say I have always had an interest in um, counseling and psychology. My aunt is actually is a psychologist. And I was always fascinated by that. And I did end up uh, getting my degree in sociology. So human behavior and things like that is always very intrigued, has always been intriguing to me. But at that particular point in time, I was still very unclear. But I just knew that I, I knew that I wanted to get my education. I, had, I valued that and felt like that was at least going to be a path for me to get out of where I was, you know. That's interesting that you say it like that because um, so many times we hear people talk about wanting to go to college because they feel like that's the right path or wanting to go to college because that's what their parents want. Um, it's interesting to have it actually verbalized in a way that you're mentally in one spot and you yeah. know that education is going to take you to another spot. Um, yeah. Most of the time when we hear people talk about education is going to get me somewhere else, that's a physical relocation. And I can imagine in your situation that it was more of a mental relocation than a physical one. It was both. I mean, because I, I didn't even feel, you know, there was definitely a point where I didn't even feel safe physically where I was, which ended up getting me to where I am today. Um, because after the last incident and everything that occurred around that, I, I, I was not physically safe because they didn't, this person was out there roaming the streets, you know, literally. And uh, because I didn't really feel like I had a support system there, all those things combined, I, I didn't feel like that was the best place for me to be on a lot of levels, you know. And, but I did know that uh, and partly because I grew up in a college town, I grew up in a university town. So I, you know, school and going to college was very um it was very prevalent throughout my growing up even though it was not anything that my parents actually ever talked to me about 
they never, I, I don't remember ever having the conversation with my parents. Um, what do you, what do you want to do with your life? Interesting. I was Yeah. And well, and I think it was because they were so wrapped up in their own life. Like they weren't parenting me at this, at that point. And I mean, I haven't even like, by the time my, my father left the house before they were even officially divorced, my mom was living um, and obviously <laughs> given her choice and relationship at that point, she was living vicariously through me. Like I was allowed to do whatever I wanted. They're, all the, the parties were at my house. I, we, I, I was free. Like, you know, and at that point in time, like all my friends were like, oh, this, this is, is cool. amazing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So uh, what, it really, it really wasn't that cool. Yeah. No, I, I can imagine it wasn't. <laughs> what, what resources and how long did it take you to finally start to pull yourself out of the fear that you were living in and yeah. start to take control of your life? So, um, I, Basically, <laughs> it was a very long, slow process. Once I, so about a year and a half, two years after the last, the assault in the apartment, I happened to get an opportunity to interview for a, a corporate position. I was almost finished with my schooling, but I wasn't quite. Because I, I, again, I was so paralyzed at that point, I dropped out of my college courses again and was just trying to, again, get myself out of bed every day, go to my part-time job to pay my rent and do what I needed to do to eat and pay my bills. And, you know, studying and doing anything beyond that was just not possible. It was in that survival mode. Makes and sense. so when I got this opportunity to interview for a corporate position in Ohio of all places. So from Oklahoma to Ohio, I jumped on it and I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see what happens. And, you know, as some things happen, they just, you know, I ended up getting the job. They relocated me and I ended up in Ohio. Did you feel like that was kind of a fresh start for you as far as being able to, I mean, you've now eliminated the physical reminders in the apartment and the things to that effect. Um, and were you able to focus on your mental state at that point in time a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a way for me to escape this life of trial um, and escape my, you know, my family. And I just, I wanted to get away and I wanted to get someplace where I could just, like you said, start fresh. And um, so I got here and I, you know, got the corporate gig and I eventually went, you know, went back and finished my classes and I graduated, but the, I had felt so insecure and so um, in fear of that unknown, the, what's the next unknown thing that's going to happen to me, that my whole focus was provide for myself financially in a way that I could create a safe, stable environment. To me, that was success. You know, that's so interesting because so many times um, we 
are looking forward, especially when you first get that career job, that corporate job. Um, and we're looking for what it is that is going to propel us to that next point in our life that we will find success. And so to be in a position where you're, the only thing you're trying to do is protect yourself from the next thing going wrong, it has to be a very um, difficult and almost prison-like place to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very, yeah, very challenging. How, how long did that last throughout your entire career with the corporate field or what, what eventually pulled you out of that? I would say probably, you know, there wasn't necessarily one specific point in time, of course. I mean, it was an evolution, but I'd say the first half of my corporate career was me just continuing to try to create the safety and have a safety net if I needed it, you know, so securing a salary, you know, getting a few promotions and and feeling secure enough in my job that, um, that it would be there, which is a, Sadly, when I think back on it now, because of that fear, there was probably so many opportunities I missed out on there because I was constantly just trying to be, to play it safe and not ruffle feathers and, you know, just obey and be good and go in and stay, you know, show up on time. Like if all I wanted was a paycheck really, you know, and I wanted that paycheck to continue to be there so that I, I didn't have to be afraid of catastrophe. It's so um, interesting to me because you're obviously an entrepreneur at this point in time. You yeah. have your own business. You um, support yourself by getting your own clients. Nobody pays your paycheck for you. Right. And it's completely amazing to me that you can go from be that place mm-hmm. where you can't imagine, like, all you want is a paycheck, all you want is security to arguably the least secure way to make a living mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, I think that working for somebody, and I've said this before, working for somebody provides a false sense of security because their business is no more secure than yours is. That right. It's just not, you don't have control over it. But right. mentally we feel so much more secure when somebody else is paying that paycheck. Right. So to be able to pull yourself through that point, where you're just looking for security and get to the point where you're actually willing to take on an entrepreneurial journey is pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and that's really one of the things that I wanted to share here was, and, and what I feel like I, I want to keep sharing is that there, you don't have to stay there. You know, you don't have to stay in that space and that it is possible to work your way out of that if you choose, but it does take work. Like I said, it was a process. So for me, when I think back to the period of time where I feel like I really started exploring the possibility that it was that life was supposed to be something more than just a paycheck and that life wasn't going to be a catastrophe on any given day was when I, I started allowing myself, I started pushing myself to do things that were out of my comfort zone. And they were just little things. They weren't anything necessarily really significant, but um, there's two things particularly that I feel like were really kind of pivotal. And that was when I started going to CrossFit 
<laughs> which I'm sure a lot of, you know, a lot of your listeners may relate to that. I don't know, but, um, I, I certainly do. I, <laughs> I mean, if we've talked a little bit about it, but my getting out of my comfort zone moment was, or I guess project was Tough Mudders when I started yeah. running those. There is something really empowering about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone physically. Yep. And that translates mentally so much. Yep. I really feel like that was a big part of, of my transition. Um, you know, because when I started going to these classes, and I, I, I don't even really honestly know what, what pushed me there. I think I just really started listening to this inner nudge that I had that you're supposed to be doing something bigger, bigger than this, Amy. It's, you are not supposed to just be sitting in this safe space anymore. You've been doing this long enough. Now it's time. You know, it's like this, the universe nudge. And so I, I listened to it and I went to a CrossFit class. I had no idea what to expect. I was like, what the hell is this? This is crazy. I have crazy. to say though, that if we knew what to expect when we went to a CrossFit class, we probably wouldn't go. Wouldn't go. <laughs> It's true. so yeah. terrifying in the beginning. Yes, yes. But I'm so glad I went. And um, yeah, it was amazing. And then the other thing that happened really kind of right, up, right around the same time as I started going to yoga classes, which was another thing that I had kind of thought about going, doing and I didn't really have the courage to do it. And then I finally got the courage to do it. And, you know, I, I, I went from like sitting in the back of the class to like moving up to towards the front of the class and... So between those two things is when I really started noticing a shift in my confidence and my belief that I can do scary things and, and the world isn't going to stop. You know? I love it. I love it. So you work in the health field now. Do yeah. you think that those initial experiences with CrossFit and yoga and the impact that it had on you personally was one of the reasons that you went into this health field or had you been considering it before then? Um, I had not been considering it before then. And when I, when I got the opportunity to, I got the opportunity to really think long and hard about what I wanted to do next in my career. And, and, and at this point I was in the corporate world for 23 years and I, I, I had to kind of make, make some decisions and I had to get really, really clear. I, it, fortunately, at that point, I worked for um, I, the vice president that I reported to at that point was very, he's a great mentor and a great leader. And he pushed me to get clear for myself what I wanted next, what, what I wanted my next role to be. And so I got a lot of time to reflect on that. And, and it was because my, the role that I had at the time was, was ending. Um, it was kind of like a special project kind of thing. And so we had to make some decisions. I had, I, cause I had to go into a different role where I had to leave. It was kind of one or the other. And so I had to get clear. And as I was going through that process uh, for myself is when I, I reminded myself I, well, I thought about what I loved the most about what I did in my role at that point in time, which was coaching, mentoring, and developing people that worked with me. And then I also applied my appreciation for health and well-being. And I, you know, that stemmed from really a very young age. 
I always appreciated um, fitness activities and being healthy. And ironically, you know, my parents were actually, before things got really, really crazy, they were, they were very, um, they were somewhat outdoorsy. I mean, we would go on family walks. They were encouraging of being active and being outside. And I did have that influence from them. And so I just always, I've always appreciated, you know, health and well-being and, um, so I thought, you know, that would be a really interesting combination, taking this love for coaching and teaching and mentoring, and then combining that with my appreciation for health and, and wellness. So that's yeah. interesting. And I, I can imagine that your, well, actually what, I guess what I want to ask is how much of your personal story do you share with your clients as they're facing their own struggles, because I can imagine that you gain so much strength from that that you could share with others. Do you work with them strictly on a, you know, these are the physical actions that you need to take to be successful, or do you have a mental side to your coaching as well? Uh, my coaching is, is so the lineage of, of and type of coaching that I'm trained in is not a teaching type of coaching. It is a um, empowerment of you as the individual and so I don't really share a lot of my personal story with my clients I mean I would be open to it if they asked but the goal of my of me working with my clients is not for me to teach them it is more for me to help them uncover the strengths and the uh, possibility that already lies within them. I love it. How long um, have you been doing that? Um, honestly, just I, I opened my website in January of this year. Of this, so not even a, not even a year. I, I love received it. my training the prior year. Um, but yeah, I started my business just this year, and so it's really still a little bit of a you know an experiment. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm in business. But I'm still figuring things out. I'm still learning. Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm still navigating some, you know, just honestly, where is this really going to go? Yeah. And having to really be comfortable with really not having any idea what, you know, the next six months might bring me. Do you find it? Do you ever think about it and find it ironic that you were in a place at one point in time where you were so afraid of everything going wrong and um, now you're in a place where you don't know what's going to happen six months from now and you're okay with that? Yeah. I, I mean, every day. Yeah. Every day. And and that really is in some ways as I am navigating, you know, this process of being a new business owner and being a new entrepreneur, really thinking long and hard about, you know, how much do I really want to be coaching clients, you know, sitting on a call, coaching a client, or more, is it more about me getting out and sharing my story just like I am right now so that people can, uh, so that I can reach more people and so that I, I can share this idea that it doesn't have to be like that and that um, you can, it's really comes down to trusting yourself. Absolutely. It's all about, um, it's all about trusting yourself and knowing that no matter what, you're going to be okay. 
That's, that's pretty powerful. And I know that we talk so much on this podcast about getting out of your comfort zone and, and things to that effect. And, and I don't think anybody's actually expressed it the way that you just did before, because getting out of your comfort zone, the, the other side of that that naturally comes with it is a trust and belief and a confidence in yourself. But we don't always identify that. Like, okay, I got out of my comfort zone. I feel stronger now. The reason you feel stronger is because you have each time you have more trust in yourself in what you can accomplish. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the beauty of each of those little steps. And they don't, you know, they, they, they really do all those little steps really do matter. So like if I was talking to, if I talk to my clients, if I talk to anyone, the, you know, the thing that I like to impress upon people is that not to disregard the power of doing just little things, you know, to get yourself out of the, of your comfort zone or little things moving towards, you know, a goal really does make a difference. And that's actually the type of the coaching that I was trained in is the power of taking teeny little baby steps uh, because what that actually does is it's just rewiring your brain. We don't talk about it. Like you said, you don't really necessarily, you're not conscious of it necessarily, but you're literally creating new neural pathways. So when you did your Tough mutter, or when I went to my CrossFit class, I was creating new pathways in my brain that said, okay, this is, this is all right. We're going to this new thing and it's scary, but you're doing it and you're going to be okay. That's pretty powerful. What, um, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned since you have decided to take this entrepreneurial path as far as, I know we talked about trusting yourself, but yeah. what other major lessons have you learned as you've navigated the um, failure and get back up and try again lifestyle of an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, the biggest lesson... I think it would have to be that that there there's no end point that it's it's really this 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 just it's a constant evolution and that if we stay focused on some specific external thing that we're trying to achieve um you're likely going to be disappointed it's so true. It's so true. And it was so many things when people talk about their ideas of success, they're tying success to an external thing, whether right. it's a monetary amount or a job, um, rather than tying it internally. And I 100% agree with you that that leads to disaster almost every time. Right. Right. Because like I, like I said, I, I, I started my business this year. I did my training last year. So I left my corporate world in February of 2018. And I'm still really in the process of transition. And I, I don't really have a clear idea of when that's going to stop. And I'm getting more and more okay with that every day. I just find so much strength and inspiration and power from your story. Like just sitting here listening to you talk, to be completely honest, like the idea that you can make such positive strides from where you were before, because I know what it feels like to, I, I have to remind myself to let go of control every day. Yeah. Like it's so yeah. hard it to 
say, I don't know how this is going to end up. And that has to be okay because we don't know how anything's going to end up. We might think we do, but we don't, we don't really know how anything's going to end up. And so I've stopped myself from doing so many things because I can't control the outcome in the past. Mm -hmm. And for you to have gone through what you've been through to have the limiting beliefs that you had as a child of this impending doom following you around to where you are now and inspiring people and running your own business is nothing short of remarkable in my opinion. Oh, thank you. I, I have to remind myself of that as well. (laughs) (laughs) We're always Um, too hard on ourselves. Oh yeah. But yeah, control is a total illusion. It's, it's, it is, it does not exist. And I think, you know, we're taught that it, it, it exists in, in, you know, corporations or, you know, in more secure environments, but it is, it is not true. And I feel like it's less and less true every day. It is less and less true every day, but the really interesting paradox is that the more we feel like we're losing control, the more we try to hold on to it. And it always seems like when that thing is spiraling out of control and we hold on tighter and tighter, which causes it to spiral even more. And the moment that we say, okay, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Then all of a sudden everything turns out okay. But it seems like we take that cycle almost every time. I know I do. Uh Where I have to remind myself, like you've already been down this road and it doesn't turn out well. So just breathe and let it go. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, stop resisting and just get up every day. I, I really, right now especially, I try to get up every day do my healthy routines that I know are, you know, keep my mind and my body healthy and just be open to accepting whatever happens to be coming my way. And I've, I have one thing that I have um, learned, it's a muscle that you have to build is uh, the power of um, having a neutral mind um, and not, ha- not, not necessarily expecting or hoping for something too specific. I mean, and it's really probably closely linked to the, the concept we were talking about a few minutes ago about grasping for something, you know, external. But just if when you come from a place of openness day to day and just be approaching things from a neutral space, it's much more um, peaceful. Yeah. Can you talk, can you expand on that a little bit? Because I can imagine that there's somebody out there who's listening to this conversation that's saying, oh, well, I don't have any control over anything. So I don't, I shouldn't have goals and I should just sit here and like, you know, let whatever's going to happen, happen. So can you talk about that really fine line where giving up control, but having control over your life at the same time kind of intersect? Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a really good question, and, and I didn't necessarily come prepared to talk about it, so you, um, forgive me if I need to just process for a second, but really, um, yeah, so it's important not to, you, like, you don't want to not take action, right? Like, you can't just, like, lay in bed and hope for something to happen to you, right? It won't, it doesn't work that way, but this is, it, it, this really starts to get into the territory of listening to those the inner nudges and your intuition and your wis, inner inner wisdom and trusting your inner wisdom 
when I, so when I, I, I think the best way for me to kind of explain it is, is to give myself as an example. So uh, when I, what I'm currently navigating right now, I am look to build my business. And of course I want clients. I would you know love to have clients, but I am choosing to stay in a space right now where if, you know, clients will come to me to believe that clients will come to me as they're supposed to. And I'm putting myself out there. I'm, you know, going on podcasts. I'm talking with people about what I'm doing and allowing that to bring to me what it's supposed to. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. And I think the most powerful word that you said there that I really want to bring home for people is the power of choice. And yeah. and that's really one of the things that I wanted to bring out with that question because so many people, when they realize that they truly have no control over the future, mm-hmm. um, they break down. And we preach all the time in the coaching space and in the business space that you can take 100% control over your life. But that doesn't mean you can take 100% control over exactly how things happen. What you can take control over is how you react to the things that happen and the actions that you take in relation to what the universe has planned for you. And so when you said that you're choosing to put yourself in a space where you believe that when you put yourself out there and you go on podcasts and you talk to people about what you're doing, that the clients will come to you. I think that that is probably the right, right in the middle of where the understanding, having that powerful mind to be able to say, I can't control. Right. And yet taking actions to improve yourself, knowing that they will eventually make a difference intersect. Right. Yep. You mentioned earlier that there was a point in time where you in your life where your idea of success was just basically surviving. Can you talk a little bit about how your idea of success is changing and what success means to you now? Success now to me means to me, I'm successful again when I am in a place of trusting myself. It really all comes back to that. And because when you are in a place where you are truly trusting yourself, you are completely at, at it's, it's peaceful. So it's not a, it's not a place of striving or hustling or working, you know, your ass off. You are, when you trust yourself, you are do you're taking action from a place of neutrality and knowing that you will always land exactly where you're supposed to land that's interesting can you talk about the way that you know when you're not trusting yourself cuz i know for me when i'm incongruent with something there's it might take me a little while to catch on, but there's like physiological reactions that I have. How, how can people tell when, when there's something that's just not quite aligning and they're not trusting themselves? When you are asking other people to give you the answers, that means you're not looking to yourself for the answers because everything you need to know, honestly, it exists inside you. It's nice to have the support system around you, and there's and there's value in that. 
And that's where the very fine line is, I think, in the coaching space, honestly, which this, that's honestly probably a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when you find yourself telling yourself, I don't know what to do. And you have, and you know, those moments where you are, uh, where you're trying to figure out a solution and you're, you are, you really have to start listening to what is going on in your head. So this is, that comes back to the observation muscle. And so when you find yourself talking to yourself about, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm really scared that this might happen. You know, the monkey mind starts going and you start thinking of every possible thing that might go wrong and you start looking to everyone else for an answer. That's when you're not trusting yourself. You know, I've, I've never heard it described like that before, but I like it. And the reason that it resonates with me so much is that for so much of my life, I was seeking the things that were, that I should have been giving myself from mm -hmm. other people. And, you know, I don't talk about my relationship with my mom a lot because it's not my story to tell a lot of the times, yeah. but we had a pretty rocky relationship. And, and when our relationship truly, truly healed was when I was willing to admit that I was expecting her to give me things that she couldn't give me because no matter how much love she gave me, I was never going to be able to accept that until I gave it to myself. And yeah. it sounds so cliche to say yep. that, but it's 100% true that if you're looking for, and I'm not talking about necessarily information because you have to right. learn things from people. But right. when you're talking about seeking validation from other people, seeking, seeking acceptance from other people, um, people getting in a relationship and expecting that other person to carry their happiness, like all mm -hmm. of that are things that you need to be finding for yourself. And until you can do that, you're never going to be truly at peace. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. I, um, have really enjoyed the um, conversation and I love where your business is at and where you're going in the future with your, with your coaching. Um, and I think that you have so much to offer people. What I'd like to do um, kind of before we wrap up is let people get to know you a little bit more with a quick random round. Are you okay with that? Absolutely. That'd be fun. All right. Um, other than what you, um, are currently doing, what profession do you think it would be fun to attempt? I, uh, I would be a politician. Ooh, for what purpose? That sounds so <laughs> different than everything that you're doing now. And honestly, like it sounds awful. What, would, what, what's the driving force behind that? Because we don't have enough good people choosing that profession and not to say that I'm going to change the world, you know, be president, but I do think we need more really good quality moral people going into politics than we do right now. And at all levels, not just, you know, at, at all levels, local, state, federal, everything. God bless you for that. I think I'd rather <laughs> swim with sharks without a cage. So good for you. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? I would go to the mid-1960s and be, I, I would just, I would love to be able to witness what was happening in our country during that time frame. 
Interesting. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, so I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be, but um, what personality trait has been most helpful to you throughout your life and your career? Yeah, you probably were able to guess it. Uh, Resilience. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Um, As far as content, when you're reading a book, do you prefer um, actually physically reading the book or do you listen to audiobooks? Physical book is definitely my favorite, um, and and I and and not even a, a like a, a Kindle or a Nook. Like I love a, a, a real live book in my hands. Um, it's interesting yeah. how that evolves because I went through. I used to read a ton as a kid, and then I went through an audiobook phase, and now I'm back to physical books. Mm-hmm. And I think what I realized is that it came down to giving myself permission to take the time that I needed to sit down and read. Like it's oh, yeah. for me, like I would listen to audiobooks and I would multitask. Right. And so now it's almost just like a um, gift to myself to force myself to sit down and read. Um, yeah. and take that kind of, it's like, it's almost like my meditation, honestly. Yeah. Um, interesting. As far as books are concerned, what book would you recommend to somebody if you could only give them one book recommendation? Holy cow. Okay. Well, one of my absolute favorite books of all time, and I know this has been, I think it's a rather polarizing book from what I, even that was highly acclaimed, but the, the Goldfinch is my favorite book. I absolutely loved it. It's very, very long, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which is why a lot of people probably wouldn't even touch it, but I could not put that book down. And I felt, I felt, I think I actually identified a lot with the main character. Have you read it by any chance? I have not, but I'm going to put it on my list. If you read it, and it was actually just recently made into a movie, and I went, my husband and I went to see the movie on opening night. Oh, that's an awful idea. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I have ever loved a book and then watched the movie and loved the movie. You know, I mean, I still loved the book more than the movie, but I, but that is how much I loved this book. I had to go on opening night, and it was while I was sitting there watching the movie, and at the end. I, I, tears were streaming down my face oh, wow. because I realized how much I, I identified with the main character because of so much of the stuff that I actually shared. You know, I, That's childhood. interesting. I'll have to check it out. I feel like one of the selfish things that I get out of doing this podcast is a book list that's never <laughs> ending. And so I'm super excited um, to add that to it and check it yeah. out. Yeah. Um, all right. And then lastly, if people want to track you down on social media, where can they find you? Where can they find your business? Yeah. So my website is uh, theupfrequency.com. That's the name of my coaching business, Upfrequency. Uh, Facebook page. I have a Facebook page as well. Um, also up frequency. I have my, my personal Facebook page as well. Amy Ball, which feel free to friend me there. Um, and I have an Instagram also, um, a personal Instagram and I have my business Instagram up frequency. So yeah, if they follow and follow my business pages, that would be awesome. Perfect. We will um, post those in the show notes as well okay. for All right. everybody. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us today and just being willing to get so vulnerable and real. I think that a lot of people are going to connect with and um, gain some value from your story. So thank you so much. Thank you, Amber, for having me. I really appreciate having the space to, to share. 
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.